All right, at the 9 a.m. service, they had a, something transitional for the video, but they continued to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star as I was getting ready up here. I was like, man, I've never uh, started a sermon with, a, with Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So that was, that was interesting. But silence was interesting too, because you guys were like, what's going on here? And I was like, me too, what's going on? But hey, that's all right, we're ready to go now. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 24 in a few minutes, so you can start finding that. I'm really enthusiastic about sharing this message with you because it's a message, it's a teaching really that's changed my life and it's, it's going to help keep you out of theological error. Today is Pentecost Sunday and it's a beautiful time to celebrate the birth of the church and Jesus was physically here on earth and he said, it's going to be better for you that I go to heaven. Now, how could that be? I mean, we have Jesus physically with us. We would all want that. He said, no, it's going to be better that I go to heaven. Because I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with all of God's people all of the time. And so isn't that interesting that Jesus ascended into heaven because he wanted to send his Holy Spirit to be with us until Jesus returns again. And so we celebrate that in Pentecost. And I'm going to start a series called Jesus Style. We're going to look at the Gospels and Jesus' style of ministry because here's Here's something that is just really mind-boggling. In the three years that Jesus ministered on earth, he lived 33 years, but there was a three-year period that he had public ministry. He did lots of amazing things, but he said, I want you to do the same thing that I did. I'm like, well, I mean, that's intimidating because we're not Jesus, right? I mean, and and we know our weaknesses and we know our frailties and we know our limitations. And so he says, that's why I'm going to send my Holy Spirit because I'm gonna help you do the stuff that I'm doing. And so I don't want you to be intimidated by that. I want to open the mind of possibility for you to begin to believe that you as a human being with all the weaknesses that you know about, I don't have to discuss that, with all of the limitations you're aware of can do the same work Jesus did here on this earth because he has given the Holy Spirit because it is him who is doing his work through us. And so here's a real important concept. It's a theological concept that, that I, I used to preach on once a year, but according to my records, I haven't preached on this since 2016. And it is this, the already not yet kingdom of God. So this is a theological concept that is going to keep you out of error and it's going to help you step into more faith, and it's going to help you step into more of God's will. And so there, there's a, a couple of problems that, that happen, and it's something that's bothersome to me. And that's when someone ill passes away, and it's not someone who is maybe quite elderly, because with an elderly person, we, ex, we, we expect that to happen at some point. It's still sad. It's still hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to limit that. But if someone who what we would call an unexpected death occurs... And there's a couple of reactions that I think are out of balance. Okay, the first reaction is this. I'll stand over here so you can maybe remember the right side of the pulpit. In fact, I don't have the camera, so I can step all over the place, can I? That's cool. So over here on this side of the pulpit is the person who doesn't pray that God would extend that person's life. They pray for no healing. It's like they find out that person has a disease or they have, they've had an accident or They've had something diagnosed, and it's like, well, that's just the way life is. I mean, they're just going to have to suffer and die. And so, 
one reaction that I think is unfortunate is when we don't pray for someone to be healed. And we just never ask. And sometimes we don't ask because we're afraid to take a risk. And so, so because we don't want to be disappointed, we just don't ask. And that's unfortunate. The reaction on the other side of the pulpit is for people who like are really into God's power to work. And they're, they're saying the right things and they're declaring God's word. And, and they're really asking God to heal this person. And then the healing doesn't take place. So what do they do? They blame that person. Sometimes they do it kind of subtly or behind their back or, or they kind of whisper these things. They'll say, well, there wasn't enough faith. Or maybe they say something like this. That person really didn't want to get healed. Or they may say something like this. They didn't say the right words at the right time. And I think that's an incorrect response also. So we don't want to be people who are over here who like never pray for anyone to be healed, never believe God to do the miraculous, never expect God to do a miracle. We don't want to be those people, but we, don't, we also don't want to be the people on the other side of the spectrum who are like, hey, God heals every time, all the time, and if you're not healed, you're doing something wrong. Now, we know this logically. We know that not every person gets healed because besides Jesus and maybe two other people in the Bible Besides Jesus, so let's just stick with Jesus, every person has passed away. Now, the two people that, that I'm thinking about are Elijah and um, uh, Enoch. And then they think those guys in Revelation will pass away. But that, that's a, another day for Bible trivia people. You know, you guys can get into that later. But I know this is that the scripture says it's, a, it's appointed for every person to die. Happy Pentecost Sunday to you on that. Yeah, it's not pleasant to think of, but, but we know that if you're over here and you're saying, you know, if you believe God's word, you're never gonna get sick, you're never gonna die, you're always gonna get healed, that's an incorrect application of truth. And because that's an in, in, incorrect application of truth, other people are like, we're, we're not gonna pray at all. We're just gonna accept things the way they are. So this theological concept of the already not yet kingdom of God in the area of healing, in the area of revival, in the area of salvation, in the area of the presence of God has changed my life. So I want to pass it along to you. So what is the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. He talked about the kingdom of God a whole lot. So here's what the kingdom of God is. I'm going to give you a definition. This is my first point today. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. So when Jesus is in charge, that's the kingdom of God. So Jesus talks about the kingdom of God all through the gospels. And then the, the apostles talk about the kingdom of God all through Acts, all through the epistles. And we're going to look at a lot of samples about that. So what are they talking about when they're talking about the kingdom of God? They're talking about the reign of God. When Jesus is in charge, when Jesus is ruling and reigning this earth. And we know that that's going to happen. That has been established, but because of what he did on the cross and what he did through resurrect, the, the resurrection from the dead, Jesus is already in charge. He's already the king of the universe. There is no one above him. He is totally in charge. But yet there's this sense, we see this all around us, where evil does have the day where people do get sick, 
where people do turn away from the Lord. What's going on? Well, it is that already, not yet, kingdom of God. So let's begin to look at the scripture of some of the things that we know the kingdom of God is. Romans 14, 7 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we know that the kingdom of God is not about earthly things, earthly matters. It's about spiritual matters. We know spiritual matters touch earthly matters. But we see that the kingdom of God is about a spiritual realm. So we know that the kingdom of God is not about earthly power. It's about, it's about eternal power. And that's why Jesus didn't try to set up an earthly kingdom. Jesus didn't raise up an earthly army. Jesus didn't try to raise up his people to be a, a political, what we would call political presence today. Jesus instead worked in the hearts of his people to announce his rule and reign in their lives and in who they are. So Acts 8, 8, 12, here's an example of how the kingdom of God came into the, into the conversation of the apostles. But when Philip, when he believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So when we baptize people in water, we're not baptizing them into this church, Christ is love church. We're not baptizing them into the name of a denomination. We're not baptizing them as a family heritage. We are baptizing them into the kingdom of God. And that's why if you're part of another church, and then you start coming to this church, we we don't say, oh, you need to be baptized here. If you've been baptized at a Christian church, you're in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is bigger than a local church. Acts 28 verse 23 After arranging a day with him, this is Paul, many came to him at his lodging, and from dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. So we here see that Philip, and now we see Paul. This is a sample. They were talking about the kingdom of God. They were talking about the reign of God. They were talking about when Jesus gets in charge, when Jesus asserts his rule and reign. And we know from the book of Revelation, we know from the Old Testament prophets that that, it, that Jesus is already positionally ruling and reigning the whole universe, but there are certain things in this world and sometimes our hearts that we don't let him rule and reign. And so that's where this idea of, yes, the kingdom is already here, but it's not quite here yet. Some of you, I don't know who it is in here, but you may be the child of a wealthy person. You want to volunteer that information? Anyone? No, you don't. Don't do it. Uh, mostly, mostly children of wealthy people don't really tell you because they know that someday they'll get the inheritance. And so even though the property and the assets all belong to the parent, there's a sense of, but it's still kind of mine too. I mean, it's not mine yet, but I've seen the will and it's coming to me. And so when you're, you know, when you're swimming in your parents' pool, that you're going to own someday, you don't want to trash it because you're like, even though it belongs to them, it, it's, it's already, it, it's, it's not mine yet, but it is mine. There's this sense of, you know, I don't own it, I don't possess it, but it's going to be mine. There's been a lot of interest in, in the last couple of years in the royal family. Oh, Prince Charles, man, that guy, he has been playing second role for a long time, his whole life. He's in his 70s now. And mama's just holding on. I've never called the queen of England mama. I don't know why I said that. That was a 1045 service, but at least made you laugh, right? Um, Long live the queen, right? Long live the queen. But she has lived a long time. And so so 
he's living in this tension of like, I'm going to be the king. And because I'm going to be the king, I have rights. But those rights aren't always here. So sometimes Charles is treated like the king. But sometimes he's reminded that he's not the king. Now, these are, there's always breakdowns and analogies or metaphors. But we're seeing this as the reign of Jesus on this earth. Is that Jesus, we know is in charge. We know that he's supreme. We know that there is no one above him. Yet, by his sovereignty, there's limited reign now. Because we know the enemy and powers of darkness are in charge of a bunch of stuff in this world. If you don't know that, you didn't watch the news this week. Because there's just all types of places we see that the, the, the kingdom of darkness is, is having this temporal reign, this temporal authority. It's over whole people groups sometimes. We see whole people groups where very little very little desire for the Lord, very little morality. We, we see that in certain sectors. You, you may argue like there, there's sectors in our society, um, institutions. Maybe you would argue uh, our entertainment industries where there's, just, there's no room for, for godly values, that there, there seems to be a pushing of, of things that are harmful for morality. And so it, you could say, well, the enemy has rule there. He has rulership. Well, we know that ultimately Jesus is going to rule all of those things, but we're waiting for that to come in full fruition. He's already the ruler of every nation, every sector of society, but it's not quite here yet. And this understanding keeps you out of certain religious mistakes here. The kingdom is not yet, here's my second point, fully here. It's before us. There's more to look forward to. There's more to anticipate. That's why David Belt, and, and what a great job he did filling in for Pastor Aubrey. And, and he alluded to that as he led us in worship. Like, we're looking forward to another day. We're looking forward to something better. And then I, I, I know this is that, that this is important for when we have rough times and when we have tough times. If I go back to my introduction, one of my problems with people who try to manipulate scripture to say, you know, it's always wrong to be sick and it's always wrong, you know, if, if, you, don't, if, if you don't overcome an illness, is there's no theology for suffering. There, there's, no, there's no room for the spiritual gift of perseverance. You know, Paul pleaded for the Lord to take away his weakness. And the Lord could have, but he chose not to. And that became what he called a thorn in his flesh. In his weakness, he was made strong. But on the other hand, some of us have never pleaded for God to take away our weakness. Where it's like, oh, I guess it's my thorn in the flesh. I guess I'll have to live with this. This tension here that I'm, I'm trying to create, I believe this, I, I know this theological concept answers this. And so we're going somewhere. Some of you are like, oh, this is, this is pretty boring. I need something practical to get me through the week. That's coming. All right. Come on. You got to know something first before you can believe something or apply something. So I'm, I'm getting to something that is very applicable to your life. If you can just hang on another 10 minutes. Let, let's talk about the fact that the kingdom's not fully here yet. So I'm going to talk about the future, the future that we're looking forward to, the stuff that has not come. And you see the kingdom is referred to in the future tense. Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 31. And when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, 
Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed with my father. Inherit the kingdom, inherit the reign of the Lord prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So we see this is talking about a future tense and we know that the kingdom is before us. The kingdom is ahead of us. The kingdom is something that we look forward to. And in fact, one of the reasons we need Jesus is Jesus gives a list of sins that keep us out of the kingdom. And that's why we need a savior. How many know this, that we don't have a need for Jesus and his atonement work if we don't think there's anything wrong with us? Or if we don't think we do any sin. So the scripture can be obvious. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, in case we're wondering, the, the scripture is just obvious about why we need salvation from our sins. It says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Inherit God's kingdom. Futuristic. So the unrighteous, those, and we know that righteousness comes through Jesus and through his atoning work. But the unrighteous, those who don't believe in the atoning work of Jesus, won't inherit the kingdom of God. And so just to be crystal clear, he says, do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, adulterers, adulterers, males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. So this is pointing out the need for Jesus. Like we, we need forgiveness for things that the Lord has said are, are not part, should not be part of his people. And I know that in our lives, we can see our behavior in that list. There's something on that list that we can see our behavior in. And that's why we need Jesus. My point is here is this, these two scriptures are examples of the kingdom being futuristic. Like we act a certain way today as God's people, because we want to inherit the kingdom of God. We believe in Jesus today because we want the fullness of the kingdom in our lives. So that is the future. But today, right now, we also, and here's my third point, the kingdom is already here when the future reign of God breaks into the present. And and this is where I'm hoping this is going to bring great revelation to you. Even though the kingdom is ahead of us, The kingdom breaks into our lives when we ask the Lord and through his sovereign will, he chooses to intervene. And he chooses to intervene when we ask and out of his sovereign will and sovereign plan. So this idea is that as great as Christianity is, and as great as it is to walk in the presence of the Lord, there's better things to come. There's more opportunity before us. There's things we look forward to. That's why when people do die in the Lord, even though it's appropriate to cry and it's appropriate to be sad, out of the sorrow comes a joy that they're happier than they've ever been. They are are receiving the reward of their faith. They're entering into what is reality. This world is not reality. This time and space that we're contained to is not the reality that we live in. There is a greater day. There's a greater revelation. There's a greater Savior. There's a kingdom that's before us. There's a kingdom that we can look forward to and anticipate. But guys, there is what we can call the presence of the future. That's an interesting phrase. I want you to think about that. I'm going to say it again. The presence of the future. It's when we see the future reign of God show up in what we're doing today. 
And we, we go back, let's talk again about the royal family. I hate to bring them up twice, but it, it does help us. You know, we, we see Prince William and Kate and their, their little boys. Or they're, maybe they're older now. I, I don't keep up with it that much. But we, we see them. And the world is filled with um, this freshness and vitality and hope that we know they're going to be in charge someday. And that seems exciting. That's kind of how we feel when we begin to see God break in through systems of evil. When we begin to experience a healing of a disease. When we have a freshness on the church service. When we're hearing a sermon and there's some juice and there's some anointing to it. And it's something that's of the Lord and it's something transformational in our hearts. We begin to see that all of the promises of heaven, all of the anticipation of what we're entering into, all of the things that our faith, that we've revolved our faith around, we're getting a foretaste and we're getting a sample of it here on earth. So this is what Jesus said. Jesus sent out the 12 and after giving them instructions, he said this, this is in Matthew chapter 10, Sorry about that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. Don't take the roads that lead to the Gentiles and don't enter a Samaritan town. Verse 6, instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was specific instructions for a specific time. Verse 7, this is the part I want you to see. As you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. The reign of Jesus has come near. And here's the manifestation of that in this instance. Verse 8, heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, freely you received, freely give. The manifestation of the reign of Jesus is proclaiming to the world, hey, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is going to be in charge someday and the world's going to be better. Jesus is going to be in charge someday, and you're going to see what it's like when there's no corruption in our leaders. You're not going to be disappointed by a pastor who's living a double life. You're not going to be disappointed by a a leader who tells you one thing and does something different. You're not going to be disappointed with someone who's lived their life well, and then they violate someone at the end of their lives, and, and it disappoints you. It's not going to happen with Jesus because he's perfect. He's flawless. He is righteous. He is holy. He is set apart. And we're going to declare, we, we declare to people all the time, Jesus, his rule and reign is coming and because it's coming I want to pray for what's going on in your life are you are you bound up by a chain are you bound up by an addiction hey let's pray let us ask for the kingdom of God to break in to that addiction are, are, are you are you you suffering with with a depression or anxiety hey let's do all the things that are are good to do to go through the process and consult all the people that we need to consult that's important to do and God uses doctors and he uses counselors and he uses medicine. I, I agree. I believe all of that. But we're also going to pray. We're, we're not going to, we, we may use medicine, but we don't trust medicine. We may consult the doctor, but they don't have the final word. We're going to believe that the kingdom of God is going to break into your situation. That you're not going to live addicted forever. You're not going to live depressed forever. You're not going to live sick forever. But we're going to say that Jesus is coming and there's going to be a day where there's no sickness and there's no illness and there's no anxiety and there's no depression and there's no injustice and there's no more abuse and there's no more misuse of power. That's the day we're looking forward to. And so we say the prayer of Jesus, as in heaven, let it be on earth. 
and we have faith that rises up. Not, not manipulation where we're trying to manipulate God, not, not trying to twist the scripture to make people feel like they're in or they're out when it comes to faith, but a, an excitement in our hearts that God, what you have planned for your people and what you have planned for the children of God and what you have planned even for this planet Earth, it is coming and we want to see it come now. We're asking for it to come in this situation. This is where we see the Lord do a great work. Now, now I, I hope that all of you want to experience more of God. At some point, I know not everyone here wants to experience more of God, but I hope someday you do. I hope maybe even this service is, is kind of wetting the appetite for that. I hope all of you want to see those who are outside of God's family discover that they have an invitation inside God's family. I hope all of you want to see the renewal of our cities, the renewal of our states and nations and regions of our country and regions of our world where, where there needs to be uh, the light of the gospel and there, that, that light of the gospel begins to touch the social need of those places. I, I hope you want to see those things. I want to see them, but I can't make them happen. I can't because I'm not God, but I can ask for God. For those things to happen. I, I want to show you this little list here. When, where can the kingdom of God break in? Here, here, I mean, this is just a list that I made. Okay, this is a list that I made just from experience and scripture. And I'll talk about that, the presence of God. You know, I, I've hosted small groups in my home for years. And so you, you have a small group and you take prayer requests. And you know, hey, Jacob, I'm going to pray, pray for you and you pray for your family and Deborah, I'm, I'm going to pray for one of your children. And Jordan, I'm going to pray for your, your job situation. And so we pray. Next week, we pray again. Next week, we pray again. All that prayer is good. The fourth week, I'm just giving you a hypothetical situation. Man, man we're, we're praying, and, and all of a sudden, something changes. It's not just a prayer request. There's a, a good kind of heaviness. There's a good weight. There's a good sense of freshness. There's like... All of a sudden, the, the, the manifest presence of God is there with us. And we're like, there is a heaviness. I, I remember Beth and I had a group of young adults at our house. I'll, I'll never forget this. And they'd come week after week. And we had Dustin Bartholo. He's, he's a missionary to, to, to Bangladesh. And, and we're just having a normal meeting. And Dustin says, let's pray together. And the Spirit of God came in that group of college students and young adults and we still, I asked Dustin about that. That was in the year 2008. And Dustin, who, who's been all over the world, still remembers that little Bible study of 15 kids at night because the Holy Spirit came there. That's when the kingdom of God breaks in. You, you're faithful. Bible study after Bible study. Church service after church service. Devotional after devotional. And it's not always a spectacular moment. It's not always this heavy thing, but sometimes it is. And when it is, it's good. It's good. Now, you know what the problem is, is when I say, next week, we're going to bring Dustin back. And God, you have to do what you did with Dustin last week. You've got to do it the same way. Then we begin to manipulate it. And we begin to try to create something. Um, when it, comes, when it comes, you see the list here, the salvation of the lost. I know you guys, you love your parents. You love your kids who don't know the Lord. If you, if you could make them be saved, you would. How many know that when we try to make them get saved, we usually give them a bad experience? We just have to pray. God, break in. Convict them of sin. Bring them a friend. 
I know someone who prayed for his father-in-law one time and he said, God, I am praying for a spirit-filled Christian who's good at golf to play golf with my father-in-law so that he could have spiritual conversations with him. Let the kingdom of God break into the golf course. The kingdom of God has never broken into my golf swing because I'm terrible at golf. I haven't swung a golf club in over 10 years because of that. So don't invite me to that downtown place. What's that place called? Man, everyone keeps inviting me to top golf. I'm not going. I'll eat nachos and watch you golf, but I'm not going to do it until I get better. The revival of believers. Hey, the, the word revival is, is, is a popular word again. It wasn't popular for a while. But, you know, we're like, we want revival. We're singing about revival. Revival's great, and I want it. I, we had revival. The Great Awakening was just a couple of years. Second Great Awakening, a couple of years. Jesus movement, three or four years. And so I, I've been parts of revival, and I want revival. But do you know why we need revival? The word revival means, vive means life. And revival, bring back to life. We have to have revival because Christians are dead. So I'd rather want, I want vive more than revival. I just want to stay in life. I want to stay close to his presence. I want to stay close to his throne. I want to stay close to his heart. I, I don't want to turn away from God. I don't want to get dead in my Christianity. And so, yeah, I'll take revival if I need revival, but I'd rather have vive than revive, right? And so, so but there are times when churches and Certain regions of the world need God to break in. And so we say, we can't control it. You can't say, hey, we're going to have revival in the month of October. I'm scheduling revival October 5th through 9th. So get ready for revival. You can't schedule revival. You have to ask for revival. David, you can start making your way up here because I've got to land a sermon here. Um, So that's how it comes with physical healing. If you don't ask for God to heal people, people will never get healed. But if you begin to pray and if you're willing to ask, often God brings his healing power. So this is how the kingdom of God is present now. This is the already kingdom of God. Matthew 12, 28. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. He said, if I drive out demon by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the kingdom of God is coming with there's areas, there's both, both people and systems that are oppressed by demonic spirits. And when we say, hey, we want Jesus to replace the demonic, the kingdom of God is here. I'll close with this scripture, Matthew 16, 18 and 19. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that whatever you bind on earth, will have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. That means that as God's people, God's people, God's believer, we could say, Lord, let what you have declared in heaven come to earth. Lord, let it come upon our church. Lord, send the kingdom of God. Break into our youth service, God. Come on, don't let youth camp just be normal this year. Let the kingdom of God come. We pray the kingdom of God would come to our middle school camp. We pray the kingdom of God would come to our women's Bible studies. We pray that you would break in. And Lord, we're gonna be faithful, whether it's a time of revival or not. And but Lord, we're gonna keep praying for the sick. And if, you know, it's just, we're gonna pray for one, pray for two, pray for three, pray for four. Seventh, eighth person. Wow, man, something we've never seen before happen. Because we're, we can't manipulate God. 
And we can't make God do it, but we can believe that in his sovereign will, that because his kingdom's coming on earth and his kingdom is before us, he's gonna keep breaking in. He's gonna keep coming through. And that's why we can love those who are ill and suffering, love those who are disabled. We don't have to treat them like there's something wrong with them. We don't have to act like they're doing something wrong or they're saying something wrong. We know that they're gifts of the Lord for the kingdom of God and for the body of Christ. And so we'll pray for health and wholeness in them with, without belittling them or demeaning them. And so this is what the Lord has for us today. Come on, let's stand together. And add, if you're able to stand in attitude of prayer, we're just, as we come to this time of, we're gonna, we're gonna just ask God to break in and do his work. One of the things I love about the table of the Lord is Jesus himself says, you know, when, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're proclaiming the kingdom of God among you. And so we're partaking of all that Jesus is, symbolic bread, symbolic cup, but the life and presence of Jesus is in that symbolic act. And so the Lord is there for us. What we're gonna do, I'm gonna invite some of our pastors who are gonna distribute communion today to come and begin to prepare for that. If you want to take communion today, if you're a Christian, you don't have to, but anyone who believes in Jesus is welcome to. Uh, we have these pre-communion packages that we've made available at the back. You may have picked that up or you can go in the back and get them in their little plastic cups that, that have both the bread and the cup contained. Or if, if you want to come to the front and take communion at the front, what we'll do is we're going to, we changed this last week. You can come down the middle aisle. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time so y'all can come in waves and come down the middle aisle and receive the bread. And then if you want to take by intention, go to your left. The intention is when you take the bread and dip it in the cup. And Beth will offer that. If you want to take the smaller cups that are individual, you can come to your right and, and you can receive that from Pastor Chip. So, so you can come down the middle and return to either your right or your left, and that will help the flow of things. Uh, if you're taking communion with those individual portable um, or, or kind of contained communion elements, you can take those when your heart is ready. Um, what I'm going to do today, I'm going to be standing over here to your left because I know that some of you just need special prayer today. And you're like, I want to pray about something that, that God has stirred me and I didn't believe God could intervene in the situation, but I want to believe that God can do that. And so if that's you today, I'm going to be here and I'm going to pray with you and, and I'll be available for that. So uh, there's a prayer that we pray that I hope after today's teaching even makes more mean, means more, uh, has more meaning to you, has, is, is richer, it's deeper. It's calling the, the Trinity, the triune God to do his work in our lives. And um, as we confess our sins to the Lord through this prayer, I'm gonna invite you to join me for this. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world. Let's spend some time with the Lord. The table of the Lord is open to you.